Welcome to the Woman Warriors Podcast, where we're working to help you call a truce with your anxiety. The information in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. Now, here's your host, Elizabeth Cush, LCPC. Welcome back to the Woman Warriors podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. I'm your host, Elizabeth Cush. I'm a therapist in Annapolis, Maryland, and working on helping my clients, my clients, but also myself, manage the stress around the coronavirus, the forced uh, quarantines or closures here in Maryland, and just the distress around not knowing what's going to happen next has been pretty intense. And I am hoping that all of you out there in the world, whether you're going through it right now or things are shifting and changing quickly, that you're taking care of yourselves, finding moments to ground, to be present, to take in the good that is here, wherever you are. I have decided to postpone my in-person mindfulness groups due to the virus. It feels like the safest thing to do. I will be marketing an online option shortly. So if you would like some support in being mindful and finding ways to be more grounded and present among the chaos, I will be sharing that soon. And you can find it on my website, progressioncounseling.com. My guest this week, Cheeky Davis, I feel like this interview, although it was recorded some time ago, it feels very, very relevant today. We're talking about how to manage our digital uh, consumption, you know, being more mindful about how often we're tuning into our phones versus what's happening in the world. So this feels even more relevant today than it did when we first interviewed. And although we're not talking about the distress and the coronavirus and the pandemic in the episode, I think you can find ways to apply this to your life today. Don't forget, you can follow us at Woman Warriors on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also download my free guide to meditation for worried women. It's a guide to help those of us who struggle with meditation and finding simple ways to bring that into your life, as well as some mindfulness tips. You can also subscribe to the newsletter so you don't miss a single episode of the podcast. You can find both those links on my website, womanwarriors.com or progressioncounseling.com. Today, we're going to be talking about something that worries a lot of people, not just women, but it's our cell phones. They're constant uh, reminders and alerts and text messages and things that pop up can keep us so tuned into the phone and not tuned into our lives. It can cause a lot of anxiety and stress. 
just keeping us so tuned into the phone itself. So we're going to be talking with Cheeky Davis, who is a consultant, writer, and expert on well-being technology. She has helped build happiness products, programs, and services that have reached more than a million people worldwide. To learn more about how Cheeky can help you grow your happiness and well-being, you can visit berkeleywellbeing.com. And Cheeky has written a book called Outsmart Your Smartphone, Conscious Tech Habits for Finding Happiness, Balance, and and Connection in Real Life. So I hope you enjoy the podcast. I hope you enjoy this conversation because I know I have had to take moments where I have to put it down and not look at it. I've also turned off alerts on a lot of my cell phone functions because it's just too triggering, too anxiety provoking and leaves me feeling stressed out and worried. So we're going to explore with Cheeky how we can do this consciously and have more happiness around our cell phones. So I hope you enjoy the conversation. Hi, Cheeky. Welcome to the Woman Warriors podcast. Hi, it's so good to be here. Yeah, I'm really excited. I, um, I'm excited to talk about your book. But before we get into that, I wondered if you could share with the audience a little bit about yourself and what brought you to do the work that you do. Yeah, well, all the work I do is related to health and well-being and happiness and things like that. And if I'm being completely honest, I struggled a lot with my emotions as a, as a young person, as a teenager. Yeah. And I got really interested in psychology and then just kept following that path and eventually ended up um, in the technology sector, kind of working to use technologies to promote well-being. Mm. Yeah. And I think that um, struggling with emotional stuff, especially as a teenager, can be really hard. And if we're not supported and given the tools that we need, it, it makes it hard as an adult to sort of reaccess or, or reparent ourselves to better tolerate the emotional ups and downs of life. Yeah, absolutely. But there are so many tools out there. And it's just, I feel so happy that I stumbled upon, you know, positive psychology primarily. And now I'll I'm applying kind of all these different skills to both, you know, improving emotions, but also managing my relationship with technology and helping others do the same. Yeah. Well, boy, technology, man, it can cause a lot of stress and worry for sure. But I think too, just how our, you know, it's become so second nature to just be turned on and wired in and aware of everything that's happening in the world, I mean, that can cause a lot of worry and stress. Yeah, it definitely can. And then, and then we aren't turning it off. And so we're not dealing with kind of all of this worry that we have inside of us. Yeah. Yeah. Just continues to bubble. But how would you say, so your book, Outsmart Your Smartphone, very, I have, I have not, I must admit, I have not finished it, but I'm probably three quarters of the way through, but oh, you're doing great then. <laughs> um, how do you see this book helping 
worried women out there who maybe are so tapped into their cell phones that they're just not able to turn off that distress? Yeah, I think um, a couple of different ways, a bunch of different ways, but a few that I want to talk about. Um, the first is we often pick up our phones because we're worried or anxious or bored or feeling some type of negative emotion. Like um, I always tell the story where, you know, if I'm going to meet somebody at a restaurant for dinner and they're late or I'm early and I have to sit and wait for them for even a few minutes, it's just so anxiety inducing being that in that moment without, you know, picking up your phone. Mm-hmm. But the more often we do it, we kind of reinforce the um, basically the tendency for our phone to be able to regulate those emotions. And then we stop being able to use more effective long term strategies. So. In the book, I talk a lot about how, you know, we need to take these sort of mindful pauses and actually just sort of sit with our anxiety, you know, somewhat of like exposure therapy Mm -hmm. where you don't pick up the phone to distract you from your anxiety and you're like, oh, you know, it's there for a moment and then it fades and we learn that it's actually not as bad as we thought. Yeah, yeah. And tolerating those emotions is not... Oh. I feel like today is not something we're encouraged to do. It's like, let's just, let's ignore it. Let's avoid it. Let's whatever. Let's do this thing that's going to help me not feel them. Yeah. And it's so much easier to do that. And and so like, I definitely had to go through this myself where I was like, all right, I'm going to like do all the activities in this book and experience them and see how they work, see what the struggles are. And it's gotten so much easier. Now I never pull out my phone if I'm in like those, you know, like if I'm sitting on the bus or if I'm waiting for someone or, you know, someone gets up from the table to go to the bathroom and I'm sitting there alone and I sit there awkwardly. <laughs> yeah. Just sort of, the anxiety is not there anymore. So it just, it just takes some time and practice to just be like, oh, it's actually not that bad. And the anxiety, you know, ebbs and flows and it's not, you know, it doesn't have to be as bad as it seems. Yeah. Well, and I think that's part of it too, is like we're anticipating it being that much worse that, that, that our tolerance for it can actually, yeah, we can learn to tolerate and it's not usually as bad as we think it's going to be. Yeah. And it gets better over time when the more you do it, you're like, Oh, like it's like, what am I afraid of? Yeah. But we are. And it's, I'm not like, I'm not trying to downplay that because I definitely experienced that, but it just Mm -hmm. the practice of, of, you know, just being with yourself can really help. Yeah. Just being more present and in the moment versus stuck to your phone and being sucked into that. So, so I, I, and so two things, like uh, you talk about how, um, in the book that, you know, we can choose to think more positively. We can choose to put, have our brain, you know, bring our attention to more positive things that we don't automatically have to just go to the phone, go to our computer, go to whatever device it is to help us tune out. But it's an interesting concept to me that like, like we don't have to sit in the negative all the time either. Yeah. 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 I mean, the whole positive psychology thing is like we can think about more positive things and increase our happiness, right? Yeah. So my my training is in positive psychology and most of my work is kind of in, you know, 
helping people practice gratitude and kindness and self-compassion and positivity and all that. Mm -hmm. And when I wrote this book, I was like, all of these things can be applied to our interactions with technology. So, you know, if, if we're like feeling, you know, upset or like envious or annoyed when we're scrolling through our Facebook walls, there's like, you know, everybody's posting their amazing lives with their best vacation and their perfect romantic partner and we're feeling icky, we can choose to kind of disengage from that and, and instead interact with technology in ways that are better for us. Like, you know, you know, posting something that is that gives to the community, like a video, a cat video or like mm-hmm. a joke or whatever. Or we can send a message to a friend saying we're really grateful that they, you know, helped us with something or that they are, you know, funny or kind or whatever. And then our technologies can become these tools to promote positivity instead of these things that are currently kind of promoting a lot of negativity. Yeah, yeah. And so tell us about some of the steps I, I uh, you know, I emailed you and said that I, my two of the favorite of the seven steps and sort of managing your cell phone use and creating more positivity around it, but the staying present and managing our emotions, that feels both so, so important to me, but, um, tell us about the other steps that can help us better balance, find balance with this smartphone. Yes, and I completely agree. Those are key steps we talked a little bit about so far. Um, The other steps are to uh, first build foundational skills, which basically is the idea that if we aren't dedicated to doing something or we haven't set aside the time to do something, we're just not going to do it. So it's like if we actually want to take control of our relationships with our smartphones, then we need to set aside time to do it and like we can even use our smartphones as a tool in this way where we set a reminder and be like, hey, you know, when the reminder goes off, maybe turn your phone off for an hour or, you know, spend five minutes just thinking of things you're grateful for or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then um, another key step is to build meaningful relationships, which is something that um, we're not doing particularly well in the technology age. Oh, I know. <laughs> so hard. It's really hard. I can't tell you how many women I talk to about, like, how do I make friends, you know, at this age of, you know. It's so hard. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so this chapter talks a little bit about, you know, strengthening the connections we have online. But also um, one of my favorite things uh, to talk about is um, what I call casual connections. Mm -hmm. Just basically having quick conversation with someone you don't know, like your barista or uh, cashier at the grocery store. Those actually have been shown to increase positive emotions. Um, mm-hmm. in, so it's it's like that's a way to sort of feel like we're we have a stronger community without even having to make friends. Yeah, yeah, interesting. I I was talking to a client the other day, not to reveal too much information, but. They were talking about a very sort of frustrating experience, but then encountered this person in their journey during that day where there were all these personal connections and that had she not stopped to talk to them, like made a moment to say, hi, you know, whatever, Uh that she never would have that that never would have, you know, she could have been pissed off and kind of going through her day with her head down or, you know, looking at her phone, not paying attention to what was happening around her. And she, uh, yeah, 
actually created this meaningful connection with somebody who she had never met before. Yeah, absolutely. Every time I mention that, people are like, oh, I have like the perfect example of that, just like, <laughs> like you shared. And it's true. It's just like these days we, we like literally walk down the street with our phones in front of us and use it on the train and the bus and um, we don't ask for directions and we don't talk to the, you know, cashier, assuming like we're not using self-checkout. Yeah, <laughs> Basically, yeah. we have very limited opportunities for these sort of casual connections with strangers. And so I definitely recommend that people, you know, just intentionally put down the phone, even for just like a moment to have a connection with a stranger because it's surprisingly beneficial. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, so making those connections, that's important to help us sort of take us away from our smartphone, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so what are some other steps? So some of the other steps, um, you have uh, managing our emotions, mm-hmm. which I sort of, uh, we talked a little bit about positivity, but I think resilience is another really key one in the technology age. Oh, yeah. You know, we're dealing with automation and all this negativity online and bullying and all these things. And it's not to say that we shouldn't try to work on making those things better. And I know people are working on that, but we also individually just need to focus on being more resilient because time it's challenging. Right. Yeah. So I just focus on some skills like learning how to see the silver linings in negative situations. Um, If we can find some positive in this horrible negative event, it just makes it a little bit more tolerable. Yeah. Well, and I think sometimes people sort of poo-poo that of like, well, you're only looking, you know, you're looking at the world through these rose-colored glasses, but it's really, you know, you have to be tough. And But I don't know. I enjoyed some of your examples of that where even if it's, you know, well, I, you know, I got lost today, but I saw this beautiful park as I was driving, trying yeah. to figure out where I was going, finding yeah. something to be positive about. Yes, exactly. And you're so right. People sort of hate this recommendation to see the silver linings because they are. It's like, oh, that's too Pollyanna. That's not me. Like, you have to be tough. Like, that's just not how I see the world. And it's certainly not meant to be like, in objectively negative situations they are bad like there's no there's no like oh this is amazing because of blah but figuring out like there is good in everything bad and learning how to see it and take that perspective is just so helpful and this is I think the skill that I've most learned since being involved in this work because I, I don't know I don't think any of us are really maybe some of us are born with that but it takes some practice and the more you do it, the more it becomes automatic where suddenly you're like, um, I can't remember if I share this example in the book, but I had a car and the transmission just like completely blew out mm. and that was awful. It was expensive. It wasn't obviously ideal. Not planned, right? <laughs> right, not planned. But my very first thought was, I am so grateful I'm not on the highway because I commute every single day. Oh, like, I'm grateful my husband is with me because he can help me get it to the shop. And like, it was the it was this like weird moment where I'm like, Oh my God, my brain does this automatically now. How cool is it that this awful situation is not as awful as it could be? Right. Yeah. Well, and even I think for me, sometimes what I'm grateful for or that, you know, I, I will make note of is that oftentimes I learn something about myself too, you know, whatever the negative thing that happened, but somehow it helps me, 
better understand me sometimes. Yeah, and that's, I think, almost always a positive in negative situations. We learn about what we don't want, what we are like, you know, who we are or how to cope better in the future. Or yeah, it, we always learn something. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and uh, off, a lot of what I talk about on the podcast is how, you know, trauma can become our anxiety in the in our adult life, you know, and that mm-hmm. for me, even that, as terrible as it was, I, you know, I'm a trauma survivor, but it's made me the person that I am today. Like, I wouldn't be who I am if that had not happened. And not that it was a good thing, and I wish not, don't wish that on anyone, but yeah, I wouldn't be who I am today. Yeah, and just having that perspective helps so much because if you were if you were like, oh, that was awful, and like now everything's awful, yeah, carry that around with you, and it's just not helpful. No, no, and it just yeah, it tears you up. So the resilience helps us, I think, with all of the probably like managing our emotions and staying present because we are trying to be more present in what's happening with ourselves, like what's happening in the moment too, right? Yeah, all of these things are very interconnected and kind of feed off of each other. And uh, and I just, like tried to order the steps in the book kind of from most fundamental to more, um, sort of like fundamental and, and easier to more challenging. So as you go on, like mm-hmm. resilience is really hard. And then the next chapter, I talk about practicing kindness, which is often very hard. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't seem like it should be, and maybe it isn't for everyone, but figuring out how to be kind to people in ways that benefit them and also boost your own well-being, I think is a little bit trickier. Yeah, yeah. I agree. You know, I mean, I'm finding ways to be kind even in the most challenging moments, that can yeah. be hard. It can be hard. And then figuring out, I think, um, like what I've focused most on is figuring out the ways to be kind that really fit you. Like, um, I, I get similar to the the reframing um, resilience, see the silver lining thing. It's like people often are like, like I don't want to be Pollyanna all the time. I don't want to like do things for people who I don't like. I don't want to do things that I don't believe in just because they're kind. And that's, I think, totally legitimate. And so mm-hmm. figuring out, okay, what are your values and what are the ways that you can be kind that actually do improve your well-being? and do help others. And that's all just sort of reflective on um, what your values are and what you care about and the ways that you personally want to have positive impacts in the world. Mm-hmm. And so, so much of uh, your book, you can personalize to make it fit you. Like Absolutely. To, yeah. Yeah. yeah, the whole goal is certainly to like give people a ton of different tools. Some of them may not be as relevant. Some of the skills you may already be really good at like um, in um, the next chapter I'm talking about being your true self and one of the skills is to speak up for your needs which some people have an easy time with they're like I need this I want this I will I will ask for this um, I personally really struggle with that one and I imagine a lot of your listeners who struggle with anxiety may also have a oh. hard time speaking up for needs um, Yes, absolutely. I know. I do. I, 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 yeah, I mean, it's sometimes, oftentimes, I think it's fear that keeps us from 
saying what we need, you know, either fear that people won't hear us or fear that they'll be mad at us for asking for what we need, all of that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I even had a therapist once who I was, she was like helping me kind of learn to speak up for my needs. And she's like, just go to the grocery store and ask someone who works there where something obscure is like the pickles. And like, that was hard for me at that time. Mm. And so I, and so it's sort of just like a matter of, you know, if you're going to be your true self, you need to advocate for what you want, but also learn how to express yourself and sort of be willing to tolerate rejection if that's what occurs. But ironically, like, doesn't like a lot of times you aren't rejected people are, can connect more fully with you when you are yourself oh yeah and and yeah they connect more fully with you because they know you better because you're asking for what you need exactly <laughs> it, it, it makes total sense when you say it like that <laughs> doesn't always feel like that's what's going to happen but it's true it does yeah 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 i know that um that's a really hard one. That is a really hard one for a lot of people. And um, with technology, so I guess is what you're saying, like with your smartphone, instead of like turning to your smartphone to ask, look for directions or something, like you would stop somebody like on the street and say, hey, I'm lost. Can you tell me where to go? Like, so you could. Yeah. 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 Yeah, absolutely. I I was practicing when I was writing this chapter, I was practicing this and, and like just walked down the street and there was like a woman in her garden and I just paused to be like, oh, like your roses look lovely. Like just any sort of interaction yeah. that you can have with someone or like when I now when I go to the grocery store, um, I like spend a moment with the butcher and kind of like have a little conversation while they're, you know, chopping up meat. And it's just like these things I didn't used to do mm-hmm. ended up being like kind of meaningful, especially like, I don't, I don't know if you work mostly remote, but I work remote and it's those little interactions really like are very important in terms of, you know, reducing loneliness and feeling more connected and a stronger community and all that. Oh, definitely. And so much of us, yeah, so many of us, yeah, there's so little interaction with actual humans, mm-hmm. which is why I love this podcast. Even though it's remote, I actually get to talk to people instead of just being in my office and I love talking to my clients too, but this is a different experience. Yeah, yeah, just those interactions with you know with others are so great. I I told um, someone in an interview I did that the like a lot of people write a book for the purpose of you know like getting on the bestseller list or like uh, or reaching people. And I was like, for me, it's like it's an opportunity to have conversations with people. So like this is this moment is why I wrote this book. So that's uh-huh. pretty. That's awesome. Yeah, I love that. So um, I know some people I've worked with and people that I know, uh, people in my life who really struggle with feeling comfortable unless their phone is with them on, you know, whether it's vibrating or pinging. Yep. So what would you say to them if they're struggling with not having their phone, you know, the idea of not having their phone on 24 seven, what, what might you offer to them? Uh, I think the majority of people feel like that now, like whether or not they're aware of it, like even I feel like that sometimes, but we all 
feel weird not having our phones with us and on 24 seven. So it is a matter of like figuring out, okay, like is that, that is a, that is a type of anxiety in itself, right? You're like, ah, I need this little security blanket. Mm-hmm. But first recognizing that it, it is anxiety and it is a security blanket. And I think um, in the book, I give some examples for just disconnecting for a moment, you know, put, put the, turn the phone off for a moment, leave it in your purse or backpack or desk or drawer or whatever. Um, and then I give another um, set of tools for figuring out like, okay, well, when, when are those moments when I'll feel least anxious putting my phone away? It doesn't even have to be off, but like maybe muted. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just figuring that out for yourself so you can have just those moments and then maybe have your phone on the rest of the time. Or like if you're an ex- expecting an important, you know, message, email, text, whatever, Maybe it doesn't make sense to not have your phone on, but there are moments if you look for them that can be phone free. Um, and so it's, it's sort of just a, a lot of self-reflection, figuring out why you're doing this behavior in the first place, you know, when you can stop doing it, how to handle the emotions that arise when you stop doing it. It's all very like addiction process. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. It's like sort of yeah, titrating. I can leave it for a little bit and then I come back to it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and recognizing that that's an addiction is key, right? Like it, you're yeah. the only one that can make yourself stop. But if you don't, if it's not, I think also if you take a little break, you start to realize like how wonderful it is not to have this little crutch on you all the time. Like we love our phones and they provide us a lot of entertainment and security and reduce our anxiety and all this but you don't realize how awesome it is not to have your phone on until you try it. And then you're like, oh my God, I, I miss that feeling of just being present and not having to like think about this thing. Yeah. yeah. And I just, I love that feeling. I can't like, now that I do it, I can't get enough of it. I know it's funny. Uh, there've been a couple, I guess, gatherings with friends recently where like after the fact, I was like, wow, no one took a selfie, no one took a picture, nobody pulled it. And I'm like, that's kind of cool. And we were just enjoying ourselves enough to just, that was enough. And we forget how awesome that is and how good that feels because we don't do it anymore. Yeah. And that's so sad. I know. I know. Uh, yeah, it is. It is. And uh, on the bright side, I will say when I was doing research for this book and like trying not to use my phone very much at all, a really interesting thing happened in my social group where my friends used their phones around me less because I was present and I was sitting there and it's, it's really awkward if, you know, you're using your phone and a person that you're like supposed to be interacting with is just sitting there kind of staring at you. <laughs> the power to affect other people's behavior too without even you know scolding them yeah what was happening there it's just like people are like oh like you're treating me this way i'll i will treat you the same and that was really neat that is really neat i i i love that idea and and i know that um yeah for me so i have three boys and they've grown up with cell phones and they're adults now but when we do gather you know, it's me, the one that's saying like, okay, I'm going to take a picture. And they're all like, oh, mom, like, whatever. Like, we're happy just being together. I'm like, yes, I would like to record this. But 99% of the time, we're not on our phones, which is really nice. Which is that really, really is nice. really nice and rare. 
Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. So uh, for somebody who says, what a great idea, I would love to know more about this, uh, getting, you know, sort of removing, making myself a more, a more positive part of my life. Are there resources and tips for them that you feel would be important for them to know? Yeah, I, I figured a lot of people would be open to this, but maybe not ready to like fully commit to, you know, the, the difficult challenge that this is not having this negative relationship with their phone. So I made a uh, 28 day like smartphone challenge that's free on my website, which is berkeleywellbeing.com. And then I think it's backslash smartphone dash challenge, but I think you'll include that link. Yes, I will. That will be in the show notes for sure. Cool. So a 28 day challenge. Yeah. It's just a bunch of little things. So like, I think it's each task is like less than five minutes, maybe like three minutes on average that you can do each day for a month to just start having a better relationship with your phone and with technology and, and, you know, build use and use technology to build better relationships. So it's a bunch of easy little fun tips. Cool. And, uh, how do people find you? And people can find me on my website, which is berkeleywellbeing.com. I'm, I'm also on LinkedIn, but uh, not super on Facebook or Twitter or any of the other ones. Yeah, cool. So, yeah. And then and then, how do they find your book, Outsmart Your Smartphone? Is that on yeah. Amazon? It's on Amazon. I also know it's on any of, the, any of the other retailers in their online stores, but not necessarily in the brick and mortar stores. Cool. So like Arts and Noble and stuff. Awesome. Well, uh, I have really enjoyed reading it and really enjoyed talking to you, Cheeky, about your book and your work. And I just so appreciate your being on the podcast. Sure. Thank you so much. I really hope that it was helpful. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Cheeky Davis. I know for me, my cell phone can create uh, stress and anxiety and distress, especially you know, if I get a notification of an email or something, you know, a text from somebody when I'm exercising and suddenly my attention gets drawn away and, or I get caught up in thought about whatever that thing is that's popped up. So I do try, I really do try to turn off notifications when I don't need my phone to be alerting me all the time. Um, and the nice thing about being in therapy with clients is I don't want my phone to be pinging or vibrating. So it's off most of the time during the day for me, but it is something I'm attached to for sure. Her example of being in a restaurant and not picking up your phone, that's something I'm going to try because I know that's my go-to. If I'm out to dinner or lunch and the person I'm with goes to the bathroom or I'm there first, the first thing I do is pick up my phone to help me feel more comfortable. So that's going to be a, a, a skill that I'm going to work on going forward. Well, I hope you all have a positive technology experience this week. Maybe you'll pick up her book and check out some of Cheeky's tips. Maybe you'll decide to set your phone down and have a moment or two without your technology, without your smartphone. Whatever you choose to do, I hope you have a wonderful week. Ciao for now from This Woman Worrier. 
Thanks for listening and subscribing to the Woman Warriors podcast. Music was written and performed by Andy Cush. If you'd like more information on this episode, you can find the show notes, the resources shared today, and links to the guests' profiles at womanwarriors.com.